We're in the, it's the third Sunday of Lent, and this is a, a Lenten sermon series called The Desert Necessity. That's what we're, we're looking at. We, we actually need those wilderness spaces in our life. We need the deserts in order to discover who we really are, where we really are. And sometimes we, we only look at ourselves in a mirror, like, honestly, in these spaces. And so that's what we need to do. Um, this light is really bright. Um, it's, like, blinding me. But how do you turn it off? Um, oh, oh, that works. That's good. That's actually on my paper. All right. Um, that's perfect. So last Sunday, this is a two-parter. Last Sunday we looked... At the, this teaching of Jesus that is uh, explicitly in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then John kind of references it. And this is part two of finding your life. We looked at the Matthew portion last Sunday. We're going to look at Mark today. So Mark 8, verses 34 through 37. Listen to this teaching by Christ. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, What can they give in return for their life? The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, I pray now that you would open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf, that we may hear this and become doers of your love. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, I I pray that you would teach us something about ourselves, help us to to put our egos now in the back seat. This may sound like new language to us, even if we've been in the church our whole lives. Teach us something new. Help us to be open to that and not receive it with suspicion. I pray that you would definitely remove any confusion. You are not the author of confusion. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Trina's right. We... To be a human being means you have divine DNA. You have the breath of God breathed into you. That's, that's what the Bible says. Genesis 2.7 puts it this way. Then the Lord God formed Adam. That just means humankind. That's what that word means, Adam. Formed humankind from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The Adam became a living being. That breath is still there. It had to be breathed back into us, though. We had to be resuscitated. And this is the role of Christ. That's what the gospel tells us, is that Christ comes to breathe new life back into us again. Because it's true, our reflection in the mirror decided to divorce herself from the source of all that is life. And that reflection went out, the shadow went and tried to live a life on its own. And yes, it will inevitably die because you you can't live apart from the source of life. And that is what happened. That's the story of Scripture beginning with Genesis 3. But then 
with Matthew, and this is all foretold in the Old Testament, we have the Word taking on flesh, which comes to breathe new life back into us, to resuscitate us. That's precisely what happened with Jesus when it says in, in John twenty twenty two that he looked on his disciples and he breathed the Holy Spirit into them. The word for Holy Spirit, pneuma, is itself, that, that means breath. The gospel tells us that new life that new, has, has been breathed back into us in Christ. And so Richard Rohr puts it this way, the breathing into Adam, Genesis 2-7, has become the breathing out of Jesus, John twenty twenty two, and you are now sharing the breath of the one pneuma, Spirit, Holy Spirit. Breathe in, Yahweh. Breathe out, Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is now our story. The New Testament tells us to be a human being, this is our story. Our false self, ruled by ego, our reflection, our just mere shadow, died with Christ on the cross and our true self was resurrected with Christ on Easter. Good Friday is God having solidarity actually with the suffering of the world. Easter is victory. Death giving way to new life. So here's the main teaching today. Your true self is already resurrected, and the Holy Spirit is the one who makes this real for us. If you want to know what the job of the Holy Spirit was, Trina read it in the call to worship. That's it. It's to make this newness of life that the Bible talks about real. Okay, so last Sunday, we, we defined the false self. I said it simply, and we're using, this is language from Thomas, made uh, famous by Thomas Merton. It, it's similar language. It's a way of interpreting language from the Bible that we'll get into a little bit. But the false self is simply your fake self. That's what we looked at last Sunday. It's ruled by, by ego. It, it thinks of, of self-interest only to the exclusion of God, neighbor, and world. That's how our ego, if run amok, if allowed to be behind the wheel of the car, that's how life goes. And it always ends up in a ditch, always. Sin is simply our addiction to that. It's our addiction to our ego, our false self, which, as I said last Sunday, um, we need to become more familiar with the actual language of the Bible. It, like, like in the Greek, harmatia, sin, means missing the mark. That, that's what it literally means. Missing the mark of what? Well, we've missed the mark of our true source and our true self. This is what we do in our sin. And, and it is what Paul means when he uses the Greek word sarks for flesh. Now, it's a bit of an unfortunate translation, actually, to call it flesh, because a lot of Christians end up thinking that flesh is bad. The word took on flesh, so that can't be what it means. Paul has more in mind, and this is why we need this other language of false self. He has more in mind this fake self that Christ says needs to be denied and needs to die 
in order to find your true self. So think of the flesh language of Paul, the deeds of the flesh. That's following our ego, our addiction. It's, our, it's following our false self. But the goal of life, friends, and we see this in the very rhythm of the seasons, as we're about to, the death of winter is about to give way to resurrection, spring. The, therein lies the telos, the goal of life is resurrection. But you have to go through the desert to get there, don't you? Every time. You've got to go through death to get resurrected life. Another word for that is transformation. Resurrection, transformation. If you are not actually changing and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, which is all internal qualities, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, that spills over, then religion is not working for you. Um, In fact, it may be harming you. The role of the church is meant to promote and facilitate actual resurrection now, not when you die, because you have died in Christ. This is what the Bible tells us. Colossians 3.3, past tense, you have died. And your life, we can say true self, is now hidden now, right now, hidden with Christ in God. So, how do we experience that? Here comes the Holy Spirit. You see, you you don't have to wait until you physically die to experience resurrection. Do do you hear that? I mean, it's like we we just don't believe Jesus when he tells Martha before coming to the tomb of Lazarus that, that you have already been resurrected. And he says, I am the I am the resurrection and the life. We, we, just, we just don't believe that, do we? Well, I mean, that's fine. I, I understand it. But, but we are not in line with Christianity then, at least. And maybe we need to unlearn some things and relearn what it's actually saying and what it actually means. Because we don't have to wait until we physically die to experience resurrection. In fact, in Christ, you have already died on the cross, and now you can experience it right now this resurrection life. Romans 6, 4, and 11 puts it this way. Therefore, we were buried with Christ by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. So you also he means right now, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, dead to missing the mark. You don't have to miss the mark anymore. You are now alive to God in Christ Jesus. So you may have seen, um, particularly if like if you're into, uh, maybe if you have a Roman Catholic background or you're, you're presently Catholic and you, you maybe appreciate iconography and things like that, you may have seen a lot of saints are depicted sometimes holding a skull. This is why they do that. St. Francis, for instance, is, is depicted at times holding the skull of his old man, his former self. And it looks kind of dark when you see that, and it can be kind of jarring. Um, but this is, you see, they're, they're depicting what the Bible's teaching, you see. This is why they do that. Walking in newness of life 
is simply what it means to live according to your true self. The Bible will also call it walking by the Spirit. So, let's define true self. It's the peace of God within us. It's the peace of God within us that connects us to something much bigger and much better outside of us. You can call that soul. You can call it consciousness. You can certainly call it spirit, Holy Spirit. Okay? This is what the true self is. The Old Testament and the New Testament will will refer to um, this as the law written on our hearts. Written on our hearts. We don't need it on tablets of stone anymore. It's written on our hearts. This is the whole prophecy of Jeremiah 31, 33. Then Paul repeats this uh, in Romans 2, 15. The law written on our hearts. Do you know how Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit? Your advocate. If, if, friends, we need an advocate, don't we? Don't you need someone to stand up for you, to actually say something on your behalf, particularly when you're a victim of, of injustice or what have you? We need someone sticking up for us. There's the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our advocate. Um, I, I, now, Holy Spirit is a spirit, but I, I prefer to kind of correct some um, chauvinistic theology and misogynistic theology. I prefer to refer to the Holy Spirit as her. But, but spirit is spirit, right? She is advocating for us. She is advocating for you. Always, 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 always. Richard Ward puts it this way, and I will ask... Or no, actually, this is, this is not Richard Ward. This is much better. This is, this is the Apostle John who says in John 14, 16, 26, only because he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is he better? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. So this is Jesus talking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you all that I have said to you. So we we also need that. We need someone speaking truth to us. But friends, here's the thing. You need to know that the voice of the Holy Spirit, you will recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit as the one that is advocating for you, not accusing you. Do you know what voice that comes from? Literally, that is the Satan, the devil means accuser, the one who accuses. We have to reprogram ourselves to listen to the advocate, though, don't we? Because we can be our worst critics. We, we, we need to reattune ourselves to that voice that is there. Um, Richard Rohr refers to the Holy Spirit as the implanted p- uh, pacemaker, now, I know something about pacemakers. <laughs> um, where is Bill Smith here? B- Bill's now in the pacemaker club with me. I-, I actually have a pacemaker because eight years ago when I was 40 years old, my heart stopped. And it was called, it's called sick sinus syndrome medically, but they were, they were calling it sudden death syndrome, which was nice to hear. Uh, they're in the hospital in Denver. Chad, do you have any family members that just look really healthy but suddenly die? And I was like, not that I know of. 
Because you have something called sudden death syndrome. And what was happening was my heart was getting really low. My, my natural pacemaker, which we all have, the sinus node, it was shot over time. This is there's a whole story around that. But, but my heart would slow down and then just stop. And so I had to have an emergency pacemaker put in right here to regulate my heart. So when it gets low, it kicks it back up, right? It paces me. And so I love, actually, my mentor at the time, John Stone, he's, he, he's there with me in the hospital. And he goes, I now have a great sermon illustration. The pacemaker is the Holy Spirit. And then I'm reading this past week how Richard Ward, my new mentor from afar, says the same thing. In fact, calls, and I think this is good, a good way to think of the Holy Spirit, our implanted pacemaker. When we get low, we get to reattune and listen to the advocate that will pick us back up. There to regulate us. Folks, she is inside of us. Implanted pacemaker. There, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's job. To pick us back up to advocate for us. Listen to this language by by Father War. We now have an implanted position and power whereby we can see ourselves calmly and compassionately without endless digging, labeling, judging, or the rancor that that we usually have toward our own imperfection. Y'all know what he's talking about? This, This is that inner critic that is actually satanic. Now, I'm not saying that we, we need to have our missing the mark called out. And we need to be recalibrated. That's conviction that needs to be there. But, but you will know the conviction of the Holy Spirit because that voice will not shame you into getting you back in line. <laughs> but will, through compassion, lovingly take you by the hand and get you back in line. It is the Satan, the devil, that will seek to use shame to keep you actually in this endless cycle of guilt, shame, guilt, shame. It is only love, the love of Christ, the Bible says, that compels us out of that. And so this is, this is the pacemaker. It's the voice of love. Yes, that, that points out our shadow self sometimes, ugly things about us, but not to beat us down, but to pick us up and get us to get back on the mark. The Holy Spirit. This is the voice that doesn't judge and enables us then to not judge, but just to look. It's just to look. Actually, let me, let me back up. I've lost myself with this quote. It's a really good quote. Sorry. Okay. War says, don't judge. Just, just look can be our motto. Meaning, when you see the ugly stuff that is there, please hear me. I'm, I'm, this isn't, isn't some just like new age philosophy where we just get to act like we're stoned all the time. I kind of sound like I'm stoned a lot. When I listen to myself, I, I kind of sound that way. I can't stand that about me, but oh well. I'm not actually stoned. Um, that's, not, that's not Christian spirituality. No, no. We, we are meant to look at the hard things about us, our sin, our shadow, but not with the lens, through the lens of judgment, fear, or accusation. But through the lens of love and compassion, because only the love of Christ compels. So now that, that can be our motto, Roar is saying. Not to not judge, but just look. Just observe. See it. Yes, 
and then change. Just don't judge. Just look can be our motto. And now with the very eyes of God, we can look. That will awaken consciousness. And then things will usually take care of themselves with even the least bit of honesty and courage. You're meant to honestly look at yourself in the mirror. You're going to have to remove the ego, though, to do that. Because the ego will either present you as too low or too high. Both distortions from who you really are in Christ. So, this is the role of our advocate. We need the Holy Spirit. You see why we don't need to relegate the third person of the Trinity to, we don't need to marginalize her. (laughs) She needs to be front and center in our life if we want to experience resurrection life, true self. Those, this has been really helpful to me lately to just think of, of life in terms of this way. If right now, at any moment, if I'm being guided by fear, accusation, or judgment, I am not listening to the voice of God. That's, that's actually an easy way. When, when Every single day, if something, you begin to feel an emotion, ask yourself, okay, what's underneath this? What's guiding me? Is it fear? Well, that's not from God. Perfect love casts out fear. 365 times the Bible says, do not fear. You don't have to be afraid. There's still danger in the world, absolutely. You need to watch out for it, but you no longer have to fear. Why? Because you died with Christ. What else do you have to be afraid of? You're now alive. You've already died. <laughs> Your new life is now living. So if, if, if it's fear that's creating the emotion, listen to the advocate. If it's accusation, it's not the voice of God. It's actually satanic. If it's the voice of condemnation and shame, it is not the voice of God. But there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Condemnation you could use synonymously with the word shame. If it's the voice of judgment, where now you begin to think, well, I'm, not only have I done something bad, but, but I am bad. I'm hopeless, worthless. That is, friends, that is not the voice of God. We need to recalibrate around the advocate, not the accuser. I want to close by telling you a story. It's actually in song, and I'm not going to sing, don't worry, but I'm going to read most of the lyrics. I I think this is an inspired song by the Avett Brothers. Anyone like the Avett Brothers? Cool. Cool. From Concord, North Carolina, Scott and Seth Avitt. Um, it's the Ballad of Love and Hate. I've talked about this song before. I actually have a couple of times now preached an entire sermon around this song. I, I do think it's really getting at actually what Paul is getting at in Romans 7. In Romans 7, Paul talks about this struggle that we could call the struggle between the old self or the, or the false self and the new self. And he talks about how the, the very thing that I want to do and love, I don't do. And the very thing that I hate is the thing that I keep going back to. There's, there's the tension. It's still there. I'm not saying that you're, you and I are perfect, friends. That's, that's not what the true self is. The true self is just, as, as Rory says in the bulletin, is just connected to the one who is perfect. So we still live for now in this tension that's already not yet, and I think it's depicted beautifully in this song, The Ballad of Love and Hate. Let's, let's 
think of love as the Holy Spirit or true self, and let's think of hate as false self. This is how it goes. Kids, you might actually like this story too, so listen up. Love writes a letter and sends it to hate. My vacation's ending, I'm coming home late. The weather was fine and the ocean was great and I can't wait to see you again. Hate reads the letter and throws it away. No one here cares if you go or you stay. I barely even notice that you were away. I'll see you or I won't, whatever. Love arrives safely with suitcase and tow, carrying with her the good things we know, a reason to live and a reason to grow, to trust, to hold, to care. Hate sits alone on the, on the hood of his car, without much regard to the moon or the stars, lazily killing the, the last of a jar of the strongest stuff you can drink. Hate gets home lucky to still be alive. He screams o'er the sidewalk and into the drive. The clock in the kitchen says 2.55, and the clock in the kitchen is slow. Love has been waiting, patient and kind just wanting a phone call or some kind of sign that the one that she cares for who's out of his mind will make it back safe to her arms. Hate stumbles forward and leans in the door, weary head hung down, eyes to the floor. He says, love, I'm sorry. She says, what for? I'm yours and that's it whatever. I should not have been gone for so long. I'm yours, and that's it forever. You're mine, and that's it forever. The Holy Spirit, for you now, we might as well embrace her. No better time than the present. Let's pray. Jesus, enable us, give us the power, Holy Spirit, to do just that, to listen to your voice, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.